Well, thank you for joining us this morning. Um, I'm Chris Ogilvie, one of the pastors here at Mercy Hill. Um, and this morning, we're going to be taking a break from the book of Luke, and we're actually going to be right before it in the book of Matthew. And so go ahead and get your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 26. Um, but this morning, we also know that a lot of you um, already know that Jeff Hartman went to be with the Lord, and he passed away this morning. And so what we want to do as a church family is just to let the Hartmans know how much that we love them and that as a church family, we surround them and support them um, during this time, during this time of grief and need. Um, but also as a church, just to continue to pray for Pastor Mike as well as um, we are now going back to meeting online. But Matthew chapter 5, um, verses 21 through 26, I hope you've had time to go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. Um, but let's go ahead and read it and see what it says. And it says, that you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Well, some of you may be wondering, why exactly are we in this passage this morning dealing with anger? And it comes about just really whenever I found out that was preaching this morning that it's something that, that I believe that we all struggle with and it's something that at different times that it may be more um, prevalent in our life than at other times. And anger is something that really can, can, can cause you to do things that you would never have thought that you would have done and will take you down roads that you would have never imagined that, that you would go down. But some of you are struggling with anger at your spouse, at your kids, because they're not listening and obeying and, and, and doing what you tell them to do. Some of you are angry at parents. Some of you are angry at people who have hurt you. And some of you are just angry because you were watching news too much and watching, um, scrolling through Facebook and um, Twitter a little bit too much. Um, but then there's others of you that right now you are just struggling with anger because you're angry because you're told to wear a mask. And then others of you are angry because they don't want to wear a mask like you want to wear a mask. And, and, and then, of course, there's others of you that for some reason or another, you just enjoy being angry. Anger is kind of like your joy pill. And for some reason, you don't think so, but you just enjoy being angry and finding someone to be angry at. But what do we do with this? How do we keep our emotions in check? And in the midst of all of the craziness that is happening right now, 
How do we navigate and actually live holiness and not allow anger to take root within our heart? And this is where Jesus really gives us an answer to us. And Jesus um, really wants us to understand a connection between anger and a connection with the sixth commandment of thou shalt not murder. And so Jesus is here and Jesus is teaching through the um, Sermon on the Mount. He had just gone through the Beatitudes and, and he had also taught that, hey, he didn't come to abolish the law, but Jesus actually came to fulfill the law. And so Jesus starts working through some of the commandments. And a lot of these commandments, they were starting that Jesus was actually um, dealing with outward appearances of things instead of the inward heart status and the inward of what was going on in the individual's life. And, and really, the Jews actually had it down that if they knew that if they could actually put rules around rules, then that would protect them from actually breaking any of the commandments and certain commandments. And unfortunately, though, while we like to look at the Jews and the Jews and, and how they could, could create rules upon rules upon rules, but, you know, I believe that we are guilty of the same thing as well because there are many times that, that we think within our own life that as long as we actually do this, this, this and get our checklist exactly right, then we are okay with God. As long as we come to church on Sundays at least once a month, it used to be every week, but now it's kind of a, a once a month kind of thing. Um, if we pray at the dinner tables around our family, then that kind of classifies as our prayer time. Um, if we give some to the church, then, then we're okay. Or, or maybe if I just get baptized, then I'm okay with God. And so we're guilty of this same thing of actually leaving our heart removed out of the situation and actually just putting on an outward expression and an outward experience to make people think that we actually have things okay with God. And this is exactly what Jesus is actually coming in. He is actually wanting to show the connection between anger and murder because it's a heart issue. It's not only an outward expression, but it's an heart issue at hand. And so Jesus in this passage, he kind of starts off and he kind of lays out three different ways that we actually commit murder within our own hearts. And the reason why that there's the connection because that actually murder is actually a, a outward expression of what anger is. And so the first way that Jesus gives to us, starting off in the passage, is the fact that he says that if you're angry, then you're, you will face judgment. And this kind of anger that Jesus is talking about is this outward, just wrath, just this fury, kind of an expression of emotions. And some of you, it's known, you've seen people that you would actually term as hot-headed, or, and I hope that you're not one of those individuals or someone that you know that if you just say the wrong thing, maybe you grew up in a household that you, if you said the wrong thing, then your parents are just going to lash out and just, and just express just, just incredible anger upon you as, as a result. But a lot of times we understand this feeling because we understand what it's like whenever, whenever we are offended by someone else and, and this anger starts to kind of well up in us. Our face kind of turns red. Um, we may go and um, crack our neck. We may try to just walk off. But you can see the expression on the person's face. Now, I'm told that if you want to know what I'm thinking, just look at my face, that I have just this 
outward expression, what I'm thinking comes out on my face. I have to try to control that. But a lot of times I've been told, you, you know when Chris is angry because you can see it kind of written all over his face. And, but yet anger is something that, that kind of just wells up within us and it comes out towards another person. And if you would actually have that opportunity, you would actually harm that person if the right boundaries were not in place. But the problem with this, the way that this anger starts is that it starts as a seed within your heart, just as a little bitty, just, just sin as a thought, and it just starts to grow. And it starts to build and build and build within your life. One of the, one of the cool things that, that this, this year that, we, that I did was I planted a garden. By my standards, it actually turned out pretty decent. But one of the things that I love is okra. And I love okra if it's boiled, if it's fried, if it's actually in some jambalaya. This year, I've been roasting it in the oven, and it is just absolutely remarkable. But remarkable. But if you have actually seen an okra seed, it is a little bitty tiny seed that you sow, and you're like, oh, I can plant these close together. But by the end of the summer, like the okra grows into a three or four foot tall plant that is just producing fruit, that is just growing, growing, growing like crazy. And what's amazing is that this great big plant can come from such a really just a tiny seed. And whenever you look at your own life, it's amazing what a little bit of anger can produce within your own heart and what it will cause you to do and cause you to live out within, within your life. Whenever you look throughout Scripture how anger had, had, had just really had murdered other people, that anger was the root at Cain and Abel. That Cain killed Abel, and it all started with anger over their sacrifices to God. Um, an interesting statistic by the FBI in 2011 says that out of, two th- out of 12,664 murders, that 77.6% of those that were killed were male. And another 89.3% of those were actually male offenders, that it was actually male who killed the other person. But whenever you look at this and you look at the statistics even greater, it says that 54.3% of the murder victims actually knew the person that murdered them. And, and then another 43% of those were murdered dur- during an argument. And what this kind of tells me is that women have a better grasp of their anger and men have an anger problem. And so, and so, but it's really something that we all have within us. But what it else it also tells me is that the majority of these murders came about by someone that they knew in which they were actually the result of an argument and which is anger. And this is the reason why that Jesus actually connects this together because whenever we murder someone in our heart, we are actually killing the image of someone who is made in the image of God, and yet then we go and it's physically carried out by the act of murder. A second way that Jesus actually lays this out is that he says that if you call someone a fool, then you'll be liable to the hell of fire. He used a, an Aramaic term there called raka, which is really kind of not sure kind of within the, that time period how, how it was meant other than it was a deeply derogatory insult towards another person. 
And you know what's kind of interesting about derogatory insults, whether you're cussing at another person or you're just calling them names, is that it is so easy for us to actually to lay that out and, and, to, and to call someone names and to insult them if they have an opposing view from us or if they are actually just, just different than us. One of the ways that, that I see this kind of, kind of work out really is the way that, that people will label generations of, oh, well, they're a boomer, or, oh, they're a Gen Xer, or, oh, they're a millennial. And, and so people label this, well, you just kind of have to excuse that because they're from a certain generation. But yet you're labeling these people and you're offering, really you're using it as a derogatory insult towards another person. And then a third way that Jesus actually kind of lays this out um, in his teaching is that if you actually insult someone also by calling them names, there's a close connection here. But the term that Jesus uses here is the same word that we get the term moron. Or that, and it's really labeling someone as stupid or as an idiot and just really just insulting that brother. And he kind of lays it out that in that context, you'll be liable to the council or to the Sanhedrin. And so there's various ways and various methods that anger kind of rises up within us and really kind of takes root in our heart and how it actually connects with the sixth commandment because in your heart, you're actually murdering someone who's created in the image of God. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 20 verse 2 says. It says, the terror of a king is like a growling of a lion. Whoever provokes him to anger forfeits his life. Now listen, if you make the king mad, you're going to face the wrath of his fury, which will most likely cost you your life. Listen to what Proverbs 29, 22 says. It says that a man of wrath stirs up strife, and one giving to anger causes much transgression. Whenever we are angry, like I said before, we are capable of doing so much more harm than we could have ever imagined because our mind goes goes blank and we have just lost all self-control in the midst of that. And so let me ask you this morning, do you find yourself really getting angry for no reason? I know there's been different times that I just find myself getting angry for absolutely no reason at all. Do you find yourself getting angry whenever you're watching the news or you're scrolling through um, Facebook? And I realize you're all on Facebook right now, so I'm glad you're, you're tuned in here. Or whether or not you're just scrolling through Twitter. Can I give you a piece of advice? Turn it off. Just turn it off. That if you find yourself, if you find these things, these avenues causing you to sin, cut it off. Don't have it within your life. Disable your social media accounts. We've got to recognize the different things within our life that causes that seed of anger to be planted within us, and we've got to take care of it. We've got to cut it off and get it out of our life. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says that we must let go of all resentment and bitterness through forgiveness and grace. The way that we let it go, and especially if you have anger built up towards another person, It's through forgiveness and grace. Forgiveness and grace is how we're able to let this stuff go. But whenever Jesus, he continues walking through this passage, he doesn't just leave us kind of hanging as to, well, here's your issue with anger. He also kind of lays out, well, what are you supposed to do with it? What, is, what are you going to do with it? And what kind of ramifications does it have? Because Jesus kind of gives, Jesus gives two illustrations here of what our response should be 
if we have anger towards another person. And the first is a Jew is a coming into the temple and he is getting ready to offer a sacrifice to God and he goes down and he comes to the understanding that, that and the realization and he remembers that he has an issue with a brother or that is just, or just right over there and so, or a close family member. And so Jesus' command to him is that you've got to leave it Leave your sacrifice and go take care of the issue at hand with the brother. Because Jesus is more concerned right here of not making sure that he's got the right outward expression of his worship, but he is more concerned with, do you have your heart right before God? And this is really the issue with us is, do we have our hearts right before God before we are actually coming to God for worship. And the next illustration that he uses is someone who is being taken to court. And the command is Jesus says, listen, go attempt to take care of it beforehand, lest you be thrown into jail. But there's many times that you may seek reconciliation and you may attempt to go be reconciled with another person, and they don't want to have anything to do with you. They don't want to listen to it. Can I tell you, it's okay on your part because you cannot control what the other person does. You are responsible for how you respond to the sin within your life and taking care of the plank that's within your own, own life. And it's just as if Galatians 5, 19 through, through, 19 through 21 lays out, this anger is a sin within us that we have to lay out before God and that we have to take care of. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife. Here it is, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. And then, then Paul just continues on kind of laying out things that are the work of the flesh. But what do we do with this and, and how do we handle this? Jeremy Lelick of the Association of Biblical Counselors says this, all the breathing techniques, counting techniques, and beating of pillows will not suffice to cure the sinful ill of anger. To effectively assist someone to gain control over anger is to first help them recognize and adopt a biblical worldview on the issue. Once responsibility is accepted, then the process of repentance and change can begin. As is always the case, Training counselees in biblical disciplines while urging a deeper dependence on God and His grace for the strength to change will ultimately be key in the process. Did you catch that? That really the key to your anger is not coming up with the right technique, but the key to your anger is the gospel. The key to your anger is this utter dependence upon God and upon the Holy Spirit that His grace and His strength will change you and will be the key to you being healed of your sinful anger. Sinful anger for us is a putting off of a sin and putting on the things of God, putting on righteousness. And we kill the sin within us and we fill our lives with the things of God. That is the reason why that Jesus actually commanded that if our arm causes us to sin, to cut it off. If our eye causes us to sin, poke it out. He is using this as that we need to use extreme measures to kill the sin within our life. But is there a right time and place for anger within our life? And it, there is. Scripture lays out various times throughout Scripture where we find that God is angry and that Jesus is angry and that the Holy Spirit is grieving 
And so, and so what we have to do in order to create a biblical understanding of what does anger look like in the right sense is we've got to understand what is anger to God because anger is an emotion that is created by God within us and that it is to be used for us to be able to, to change things for righteousness sake, to make things to be able to, to more align with God's standard and with the word of God. And so within scripture, we see one of the key characteristics of anger for God is that he is slow to anger. In Psalms 103.8, it says, Even in God's anger, he is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And this is a key for us is that as we look at God being slow to anger, we have to instill within us a, a, a way that we are slow to anger in the process. However, you see God angry in Scripture. In 1 Kings 14.9, you see an example of God is angry over the idolatry. In 2 Samuel 6, 4 through 7, you see God's anger whenever people fail to revere His holiness and they, they, they fail to actually to look upon Him with the holiness that He deserves. In 2 Samuel 12, 5 through 9, you see God angry whenever David, and, and most of you know the story of David where he had an affair with Bathsheba and to cover it up, he had Uriah killed. And whenever Nathan confronts David, that, that God is angry over his sin and over the, the injustice that, that had happened that David had caused the murder of this man. Within the New Testament, you see pictures of Jesus. You see a picture of Jesus is angry, and, and he clears out the temple as a result of just the, that, that the Israelites had allowed money changing and selling, that it, the temple had become a marketplace instead of a reverent place for the, the worship of God. And what this tells us is that whenever we are angry, our anger needs to be lined up with the things that makes God angry. We need to be angry towards sin, first and foremost, in our own life and where we want the sin out of our life. We need to be angry at the sin and, and, and the things that are prevalent with, within this, this world. We need to be angry at, at lives being slaughtered, such as abortion, for no reason at all. We need to be angry at the things that are contrary to God's word and contrary to his holiness. But the problem a lot of times with our anger is that our anger is a lot of times we are just angry and offended at what someone else has done to us as opposed to actually being angry over the things that makes God angry. And the reason why that we want to be angry over the things that make God angry is that we want to fight for righteousness. We want to fight for, for things in this world that, that are really contrary to God's word. And so where that we want to see change happen for the sake of the gospel. We want the gospel to prevail and to be prevalent through all of this. But within our own life, though, that if our anger is centered around another person, we have to remember what 1 John 3.15 says, that everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. If you hate your brother, and if you have anger to your brother or your sister in Christ, Scripture tells us that within our hearts that we are murderers. And so why does Jesus connect anger and murder in this passage? And it's very easy for us 
to kind of look at the outward behaviors within our life and think that we're okay with God. However, Jesus wants us to understand that murder isn't an outward, not, is not only an outward expression, but murder is an issue of the heart, and murder begins with anger and hate towards another person. But Jesus also wants us to understand that we can't live this type of, of release of anger out apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only way that we can get anger right within our hearts is through Jesus Christ. The only way that we can have forgiveness in our hearts and to offer forgiveness and extend grace is through Jesus Christ. The only way that we can look at individuals and, and, and wonder why they do certain things and, and not to have anger and hate and contempt in our heart is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Because we can't do it on our own because our natural reactions is to sin and actually to pursue anger. And so in closing this morning, you may be sitting there and you're like, I can't live up to this standard of anger. You're right, you can't apart from Jesus Christ. The only way that you can live this type of anger is through the gospel. And so if anger is a struggle for you, I want to challenge you to kind of take this time to repent. And if you need to make a phone call or to send a text, seek reconciliation with someone. If they don't respond, it's okay. But you need to make sure that everything is right with your relationship with God. And that means repentance of sin and turning from sin. Another part of this is, is your anger centered around what makes God angry? Or is the anger within you a result of you're just mad because someone offended you or someone just, they did something to you? Take this time to repent and to have the anger, which is not an expression of wrath and fury, but it is, it is a warning of the things of God to, to be prevalent. But take this time and to pray to ask God to show you the things in your life that you need to, that you need to erase from and actually to center anger around what makes God angry. But then finally, is that as you see that you can't live up to this standard, have you repented of your sins and placed your trust in Jesus Christ? In order to do that, just right there where you are, just ask God to forgive you and to turn that you repent from your sins and to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And if you have any questions about that, please feel free to reach out to us. You can message us on the Facebook page here, or you can also email us at info at mercyhillfl.com. But I want to challenge you this morning, and that is, let's line our anger up with what makes God angry, and let's get the sin and fight sin in our life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you, and we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time, and we just ask that you'll just allow us to see the sin within our heart and that you would allow us 
to fight the sin within our life, that we are able to live a life that is of more holiness and more pursuit of you. In Jesus Christ's name that I pray, amen.